48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is Creative South. Scott and I just attended Creative South in Columbus, Georgia, um, April 11th through the 13th, 2019. And this uh, this year's theme was kind of a video game theme. So you can kind of see my, my name tag here. Um, and on the back, they've got like kind of the agenda. There's a ton of stuff that we could go over. And I think what we, I think what we really want to do is go through um, just kind of our thoughts on different speakers. So we started with um, we started with a workshop with Chris Doe. And for those of you that don't know uh, Chris Doe, um, he is a YouTuber um, that does uh, design and design consulting. And, and I mean, he does a ton of stuff, but he runs an exceptionally successful um, graphic design and motion design uh, business. Um, and then is a speaker and stuff like that. So he talked about, he talked about it just a bunch of stuff. What what jumped out at you from that workshop, Scott? I, I, the th- I think the thing that jumped out the most was just the kind of how he went into it with all these slides and he basically got there and says, yeah, I'm just going to throw all these, pretty much throw all these out. I mean, if I had to refer to my will, but I just want to talk to you guys. And, and basically it seemed like he just basically took like like four or five questions that people had proposed uh, previously and just kind of went through them. And they were things that I really wanted to talk about. wanted to, because like I said previously, um, if my audio wasn't too bad that you could, couldn't hear me, but um, uh, I, I've got these um, couple of jobs coming up or potential jobs that I, I need to do some consulting on. And although I priced tons of different things, I've never kind of priced that out. So, so the main thing people wanted to talk about was pricing. So he, that was the first thing that he went over and it was just like, it was basically just almost like a question and answer thing. And I know uh, Corey got to ask some questions and things. I, I didn't, I, I, while this was going on, I was like also super tired. I mean, I, I heard everything, but I just wasn't in the right frame of mind to like come up with a question to ask. Plus the other questions everyone was asking were great. And I was just like, oh, okay, that's kind of what I would have asked anyway. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of cool. It was just, you know, everyone in the room, uh, anyone had questions, you just kind of answer them back and forth. And he's like, if anyone hasn't seen his channel, the future, uh, without the uh like the font like the font spelled like the font futura um but uh it's you know there's so much valuable stuff on there and uh you know he didn't really disappoint so yeah so a couple a couple things from my notes that i that i really liked um he talked about minimum level of engagement um which is um there's a line in mr and mrs smith where uh one of the characters uh, looks at it. They're all assassins, right? And he looks at his he looks at a message on his phone, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't even get out of bed for less than 10k." Um, and that's kind of minimum level of engagement. But he actually talked about a formula that he uses to be able to calculate that. Um, and that is that is something I don't I don't know that I agree with the necessarily the numbers because I think he has kind of a different business model than than what I'm going for. But I like this idea. He basically said. Um, you know, how many clients do you want a year? Um, and then how much do you want to make per year? 
And then you just, you know, take the number that you want to make per year and divide it by that number of clients. And that's your minimum level of engagement. And so he was saying 10 clients a year is what he, what you want to go for. Um, you want to do 10 projects a year. And so he was saying, if you want to make, you know, if you want to make $50,000 a year, then your minimum level of engagement for a client is $5,000, right? If you want to make $100,000 a year, then your minimum level of engagement per client is $10,000. And so he's talking to a room full of people, you know, some of which are charging, you know, $300 for a logo or, you know, $1,200 for a logo or whatever. Um, and then they're throwing in a bunch of strategies and stuff. So that was kind of like, um, I like that. I like that concept of being able to say, you know, like, um, because if somebody comes to me, I have a general feeling, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I want to give you 50 bucks to do this thing. I'm always like, eh, you know, but I, I don't know that I've really like drawn a line in the sand that says, you know, for me, my minimum level of engagement is X. So right. I, I kind of liked, I kind of like that, that portion. Um, and then he also talked about, um, he also talked about removing risk. Um, that when you're, when you're doing this kind of back and forth with a client, um, in kind of the initial discovery, um, that conversation, um, is about removing risk. And he, he also used something, um, where he's, while he's removing risk, um, in that conversation, for example, they might be concerned about, you know, how long it's going to take or something, um, you know, or they might be concerned about, how much it's going to cost or something like that. So as he is, um, as he is making statements about what he does, um, he's also casting doubt about what other people might do. And so, you know, he'll say things like, yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to risk it, you could, you could go with somebody who charges less money. Right. And so what he's, what he's doing in that case is he's saying, you know, the reason that you pay me more money is because, I'm less of a risk. And if you pay less money, it's actually more risky. And so he's, he's, he's building up, you know, his, his kind of quality, um, while diminishing the quality of people that are charging less. Um, so things like that were kind of, were kind of interesting. Um, I also, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you were going to get, get to it, but, the the way that he sort of approach, you know, how he handles clients in the beginning. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's very strategic, I guess, because <laughs> his first thing is that, well, I don't really know if you can afford me type of thing. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and there's going to be the people that are like, well, what, what makes you think I can't, you, I can't afford you type of thing. So, and then, uh, you know, from there he's, he just kind of go, there's, there's a, did you happen to write? I wish I would have, I had that written down, but I don't have it in front of me. Do you have that? Yeah. So he, he was talking about, um, he was talking about when to bring up cost. And he said with a big client, you bring up cost as late as possible, right? That's like the last part of the conversation. That's way down the road with a little client. You bring up cost right away. And the reason that you bring up cost right away is they need to understand that, you know, you're, you're not going to give anything away for free and they need to make a choice at that point in time. And so one of the, one of the things that he said that I really liked, um, was, you know, if they're, if they're calling you on the phone, uh, you know, and you haven't worked for Nike or Apple or whatever, chances are they have a very small budget, right? Because like for me, if I've only worked for, for smaller clients, then those are the clients that I'm going to get right now because you know, referral and, and things like that. And so he said, you bring up cost right away. Um, but the way that he said it is you want, you want to get them to come to you. And so you say, 
you say, Hey, listen, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not the cheapest person out there. And then they kind of come to you instead of, and you know, you, you give them an opportunity to shut down the conversation. Um, and that kind of shifts the power structure. So it's not like, um, it's not like you're begging them for work. It's they're wanting to work with you. Right. I like that a lot. Yeah. So yeah, that, that I thought was really good. Um, the next thing that I thought is kind of along, along those lines. Um, and he, he mentioned this book called win without pitching manifesto, uh, which I haven't read, but I'm going to go, I'm going to try to do that. Um, and he basically just says retreat and see if they follow you. You know, he's like, he's, you know, so he's like, "Eh, well, you know, you could, you could go with somebody else. That's fine. You know, I'll, uh, you know, um, you know, there's other people out there, you know, and if they go, no, I really want you. I found you work. You're like, oh, great. You know, I'm not sure if you can afford, you know, what I'm doing, but I'd, I'd love to work with you. And no, I, you know, I think you can do it. They're, they're coming to you instead of you coming to them. But one of the, one of the biggest things was always look for a big problem to solve. Um, and so instead of just saying when they, when they come to you and say, uh, I'd like a logo um, or I need a redesign on my brand or I need a new website. Um, instead of just saying, okay, I charge X for websites. Um, you want to ask them why, and you want to drill down until you find a bigger problem to solve. And, and, and what he means by that is, you know, is it a perception problem? Is it a problem, um, you know, that, you know, you, you don't have, uh, you know, whatever. So, so he, he had this big list of problems that we kind of came up with, uh, as a group, but basically like, you know, a logo is a small problem to solve. I mean, it's big for a company, but like the reason that they feel like they need to change their logo is deeper than that. And if you can get in and you can help, you know, on the strategy and consulting side of things with saying, you know, well, let's talk about why you feel like you need a new one. Oh, well, you know, my, my sales are down or they've plateaued. Okay. Well, why do you, why do you think that's happening? What kind of feedback have you been getting? Oh, you know, blah, 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 or, you know, cause it could be that it could be that they, are kind of grasping at straws. And so if you can help them solve a bigger problem, then that's more value added to that, to that company. I thought that was, that that was one that really stood out really well. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, and then, and then he quotes some people saying, uh, you know, whoever asks more questions is in control of the conversation. Um, you know, and that type of thing. So he, he, he went on and on. Uh, he actually went an hour over the allotted time. Um, but it was great. And I, and I'd highly recommend going and checking out his channel. Uh, any, any final thoughts on, on Chris before we move on? No, other than, I mean, he, that was the workshop, but then he was the, the kind of final keynote speech speaker as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so then we had Sarah Stewart and, uh, Logan Farber, um, and they, uh, work together and are married. Um, and they basically talked about um, what it's like to team up with somebody and work together creatively um, and how that's different than um, working with somebody who, uh, you know, you're not married to or you're not in love with um, and how like critiques are a little bit more hurtful, you know, uh, and a little bit more difficult and just, just basically like communication challenges um, in that situation. And like the general rule of thumb that people go with is, you know, don't, don't work with family, um, you know, and they actually started an agency together um, 
and are, and are making it work. And they, you know, they say, Hey, when we have a bad day at work, we're driving home all mad and ignoring each other. And, and they're just talking about like the difficulties of kind of overcoming that it was a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I was, uh, you know, that was, it was really, it was kind of really cool to hear that dynamic. I've never been in sort of that situation, but, um, but you could, I think you can also apply that. It doesn't have to be somebody that you're married to or whatever, but just sometimes partnerships in general, there's, there's definitely some takeaways there and everything, but the, that was, it was, it was interesting. And, and, you know, and also, you know, just getting to see people's work and how they work and everything. Um, there's always some takeaways there. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, I'll tell just a quick story. Um, back when I was, I can't remember if we were engaged or newly married. I think we were newly married. And, and this is back when I was a photographer. Um, I booked a wedding and my wife was super excited. We had been married for, I think maybe at the most a couple months at this point. Um, and we didn't live together beforehand or anything. So, you know, it was like dating, you know, and all that. And then, so this is the first time we've lived together. First time we've been married and all that. And, uh, and I thought I'd save myself a little bit of money. And I said, Hey, you know, since my money's your money, uh, why don't you come on and be my assistant on this shoot? I mean, then I don't have to pay somebody and then we get more of the money. And she was like, yeah, that sounds great. That did not go well, um, <laughs> at all because, uh, I don't know who in the audience has ever shot a wedding, but you don't have you don't have the luxury or the time to be able to communicate in the way that you do with your spouse. Um, because I don't I don't give my wife orders. She doesn't give me orders. Like we're on equal equal footing and playing. We ask each other if they'll do stuff, you know, and then we have a discussion about what's going on and there's planning and there's, you know, whatever. And so there's not like a like a boss employee relationship, but on the shoot, I was like, Hey, I need you to grab that, go over there, do this. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of marshalling my troops and she got pissed. Right. And then afterwards, uh, there was like a little bit of a break in between the reception and the, whatever else was going on. And I was like, what is going on? Cause she's shooting me daggers. She's like, why are you treating me like this? You know, it's like, <laughs> I have to, this is like, you know, you've got to get over this. We can't have this conversation right now. Like I can't, you can't get in my head cause I have to perform <laughs> anyway. So then we had that fight later uh, and we were able to, and I was like, okay, so if we work together in the future, like, you know, if I'm working for you or you're working for me, there needs to be like a clear power dynamic so that we know what's going on beforehand. So that was my lesson learned, but it was kind of, it kind of reminded me of that situation. Um, yeah. I don't hire my wife as an assistant anymore. It's not a good idea. Uh, I think we would do great on equal, on equal playing field. Cause that's how we do our marriage. But in a, in a business setting, um, one of us should not work for the other one. I, that was not, that was not great. Um, yeah, so that was, that was good. Um, then Carolyn Sewell, mm-hmm. uh, I believe she was the, the one that did all the postcards. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked her talk. She, she's very funny. Um, and the thing I took, I think I took away from her was just some of her promotion ideas. I mean, like you said, the postcards, I mean, she basically did this thing where she would just send postcards out to, was it just all her friends or. Yeah. It was, I mean, I was like almost anybody that she could, anybody that she could get an address for. Um, but they were like hand lettered, um, you know, really well designed. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and so what what she she basically she worked at a bunch of places um, that were really impressive and everybody's heard of them or whatever. But but her talk was really about what she did on the side. And what she did on the side was basically she says if you listen to people, they're hilarious. Like everyone is really funny. Um, yeah. And so what she would do is she would just pay attention to what people said in normal conversations at work or at home or you know overhearing somebody at the grocery store or whatever. And if somebody said something really funny. She would turn it into this hand-lettered postcard, and she would mail it. And then uh, she did this for a year, and then she did a kind of a spin on it for another year. And so she's done this for years and years and years, different versions of it, where she does it on cardboard or she does it on whatever, right? And so she did this, and and then she started getting work doing stuff like this, where bigger clients said, "Hey, we want you to do something like this for us," and you know whatever. And and at one point in time. I can't remember where the client, but some client came to her and said, Hey, we'd like you to do this for us for a month. And she's like, I kind of do things in a year. And so then they stretched it out to a year, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's great. But cause my, one of my big things is like, um, if you want to get paid to do something, uh, that's the thing that you need to be showing people, you know, and, and you do that thing for yourself. Um, somebody that brought this up, uh, Dan styles, who is a gig poster artist, uh, uh, he said he, he coined the term self plagiarization and he, and he basically, and this is a, applies to Carolyn's, uh, Carolyn's thing, but he said, uh, he said clients, uh, companies are risk adverse, right? And this is what Chris Doe talked about later on in, in his keynote, but clients are risk adverse. And so they're, they're super scared. They don't want to take a risk, right? Because everybody's just kind of running around trying to protect their jobs. And so if they've seen you do exactly the thing that they want, then they're going to hire you to do that exact thing. And he had a bunch of examples. And this is a good example. She wasn't doing this to get a job. She was doing this because she likes hand lettering. She likes making stuff, you know, and so she, and she just thinks people are funny. And so she was just going out, creating all these things and then showing them publicly. And all of a sudden people start, started going after her and saying, Hey, would you do that for me? Right. Which is kind of what Dan Stiles is talking about with self plagiarization is, you know, you do something and then somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I'd like you to do that for me and put my logo on it. Um, and so I liked, I liked that talk. It was, it was pretty inventive. And like, like you said, Scott, I really like her just sending it out, you know, literally shipping it, not just, not just putting it on, um, online, but, um, actually physically shipping it to people. Um, I thought it was, yeah. it was pretty good. And her Instagram is phenomenal. If you go look at her Instagram, yeah, it's amazing, like hand lettering and everything. And, uh, you know, and, and now, I mean, I don't know if our audience is so much in that space, but hand lettering is like huge right now, but you know, but there are certain people that do things that separate it. And it's just, just a lot of the phrases she had very humorous because she just listened to the crazy thing people say. Now, was she, was she the one I'm sometimes, like I said, sometimes these talks run in, but who was she the one that like took some kind of, the quotes that her kids would say. Yeah. Or was that okay? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just crazy stuff. Cause kids say, you know, that's, that's the phrase in the old show, the art link letter thing. Kids say the darnest things, but yeah. um, just imagine taking those, those silly quotes and, and then spelling them out with really, you know, or writing them out with really cool hand lettering and everything. But to me, that was one of my biggest takeaways was because I'm just thinking I, I try when I listen to this, I try to take whatever information the speakers are, are giving me and try to figure out how, you know, how I can, you know, use this in my own world. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got I've got just tons of sketches here that are just gathering dust. If I start 
you know, if the, if I start maybe sending them out to people, getting people's addresses and, and sending them out to them, uh, we're just like, hey, I'll, I'll send this to you for free. You can, if you, all you have to do is share it and hashtag CircWorks or whatever. And I think people, I mean, if somebody gets something, they're going to want to share it. So, I mean, it's just, you know, that I think there's some potential virality here. And I don't know why my phone keeps beeping because I've got it on silent. Um, but anyway, um, so. Yeah, and that was, and that was another thing that I think she, she pointed out that worked really well. Here's, I'm just going to kind of scroll through uh, some of her stuff as I talk, but oh, yeah. um, cool. the idea of the idea of, you know, sending stuff to people because then they share it. She was able to kind of, you know, like not co-opt, but get introduced to other people's audiences because she was shipping them physical things. And then they're like, they would take pictures with it and then everybody would see it, you know? And so just all kinds of different stuff. Um, just beautiful, beautiful stuff. She's doing murals and, and all kinds of things, but, but basically, was she, oh, was she the one that was she the one that took the magazine covers and yeah, that was super cool. So she took she would just take a magazine. If anyone's seen a magazine cover, oh, there it is, right there. That that one you got up there with uh-huh. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. So she took that bizarre magazine, and you know, the, it's just regular, you know, type. But then she redid it and hand lettered it. So I really like that idea of taking something that everyone sees and kind of flipping it and doing your and incorporating your own style. I mean, I just really love that idea a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was fascinating. She had a, she had kind of a run on, um, you know, kind of, kind of things. So anyway, yeah, she was, she was great. And she was also, she's kind of a, she's kind of a a Southern bell debutante. And, uh, so she was just really entertaining and super funny. Um, so that was, that was good. Um, then we had lunch and then Rocky Rourke, um, kind of came on and, uh, I, I didn't get a ton of takeaways from him other than, other than, uh, you know, that guy had a heck of a childhood, um, yeah. and it was just ridiculous and is super positive, um, you know, and goes out of his way to be, you know, and, and basically his, his, his concept is you can be positive no matter what you know, and, uh, and, and productive and whatever. And, and he has every excuse in the book to, you know, just kind of roll over and not do anything, um, you know, based, based on his experiences, but was, you know, uh, is making things. He's the guy who does, um, Slaptastic, which is, uh, which is kind of this sticker mailing service. He sold it and it's being re relaunched soon and stuff like that. So yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was good. Uh, any, any comments on Rocky? Yeah, well, so I followed Rocky for a little bit, um, and I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to talk to him because it's just like I didn't really, after other than the the talk, I didn't really see him. You know, I would have liked to gone up to him, talk to him, but um, I think I even before I went to the conference, I mentioned you know because I'm on his newsletter, and I mentioned yeah, I'd like to like to talk to you when you're there. But um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, I. And again, it's another one of those that I didn't really, really relate to because I didn't, uh, fortunately for me, I didn't really live that kind of life. But, but I do appreciate it because not everything's for me. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of people in that crowd that could, could have really used that talk. Um, so while it wasn't a huge benefit for me, I think it, I think it would have been for a lot of people. So, and hopefully they, they were, they got something out of it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then next up was uh, was Hank Washington. And so Hank was Hank was pretty awesome, and and he actually, um, and we ended up hanging out with him a lot. Uh, we yeah. bumped into him in, in different things, and and uh, he's just a fantastic guy. Um, yeah. He talked a lot about um, diversity and tokenism. And so he was talking about like, don't just hire, um, you know, minorities and and people of diversity. Um, to make your about page look better, um, you know, you want to hire people because of their because of their diversity. Like if everybody has if everybody has the same thoughts in the room, then why do you have most of those people, right? He says you want to hire people because they have different thoughts, because they've had different experiences, because you know, coming from you know, Black America, Mexican America, White America, you know, uh, coming coming in as a female, coming in, you know, uh, as gay, coming in as whatever. And you have all these different viewpoints and people that were raised differently and with different ideologies and things. You get, you get them together um, and there can be some really awesome stuff that happens. And the other side of it is you can also avoid really terrible things. And so he, he showed some examples, um, you know, like the... Uh, you know, solving police brutality with a with a soda pop, uh, you know, and and uh, there's I, I think it was the Gap that had uh, a black kid dressed up in a shirt. Not the Gap. Wasn't was the Gap? What was it? H and M or something like H&M? that. I don't. I'm not really, yeah, I can't. Not really. I can't remember. There was there was a brand. Uh, yeah. You know that used that used uh, the term monkey with with this this cute little black kid, and it's like no one in the room thought. Hey, that's a horrible idea. Like, you know, it's cause they, you know, and so his, his, his was, his talk was basically like, um, you know, don't do it for, for tokenism, do it because it's, it's a good business practice. It, it you know, um, conflict, not contention, but conflict, the idea of differences is super valuable to the creative process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hank, now again, someone's talks with bleeding. Hank wasn't the one that did the mock-ups with the buildings, was he? No. Okay. Okay. All right. Because I know I, I remember his his artwork is very is kind of I don't know if he works in vector or not, but it's very unique. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But he yeah. does some hand lettering too. But he's got a got a really unique style. So yeah. yeah and it would like like Corey said, we get we got to hang out with with Hank a lot and everything, and and I got to kick his butt in cornhole toss, but. <laughs> did but <laughs> well you but said no. okay let's let's clarify <laughs> i i didn't lose us any points you were the one that was raining threes from like all day and so i had never played this game before i, I honestly ha- i haven't either i played horseshoes and it, it other than the the weight is very different but uh, but it it's kind I, of the same thing i think whole. i think you're a ringer i think you're a shark well, you can think that all you want. I'm, just, I'm, just I'm telling kidding. you honestly, I've never played it before. <laughs> so, so here's the here's the game, right? And this is this is what was really cool about Creative South is I've been to a bunch of different conferences, not a bunch, but I mean I've been to a few different conferences a few times, um, and uh, and this has just felt different. Like everybody was super friendly and really nice, and you're able to just kind of like go and hang out um, with people and whatever. So. There was like a party at the end of every day. Not, not like crazy ragers or anything. Like this this particular one was uh, kind of this indoor-outdoor thing. It was like this sort of small warehouse um, and then kind of this little grass courtyard area. And they just brought a bunch of pizzas. And then in the courthouse, in the warehouse, there was like 
a bunch of arcade games, right? And and ROM emulators uh, hooked up to TVs and stuff. Anyway, so um, I'm old and I can't hear anything when people are talking to me and there's like super loud music. Just And that's been my whole life. It's not because of my age. but So mainly, you know, I'd go in there and we'd grab some pizza or whatever. And then Scott and I walked out and uh, uh, this guy, Will, that we met and everything. Anyway, we started playing this game. The game is two boards that are kind of propped up with a hole in it. Um, and you just have a beanbag and you just throw it back and forth. Um, and if you, if you land on the board, you get a point. If you go through the hole, you get three points. And so there's four, um, Victor's asking if we'll put links up. We will, we will, I'll, I'll list everybody and links, um, in the, in the show notes. So if you go to coreycurcom slash 48 HR, I'll have links there. Um, so if you, if you, and you're, and you're like, I don't know, what would you say? 20 feet away? 15? I'm not good with feet. Probably, probably 15. Probably 15 feet away. And so the hole is like the hole is like that big. It's just barely larger than the than the beanbag. And so we, you take turns. There's four people. So I'm I'm next to Hank. I'm playing against Hank. Uh, Scott's on my team, and he's next to Will. You know, so Hank and Will are on the same team. Scott and I are on the same team. I'm not kidding. Every single time Scott steps up, he's got four bags. At least one of them go in the hole. You know, I'm just happy like half the time I was able to hit the board. So we won, but really Scott won. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if I could have won just me. <laughs> I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like Hank and I, Hank and I were kind of neck and neck. Like, yeah, okay, okay, you know, yeah. he, cause, cause what happens is you cancel each other's points out and whatever the difference is that goes on the board. And so yeah. like, I was kind of matching him point for point most of the time. And then you just come in and just, just drop drop holes all day long like like it was nothing it was great it was fun yeah. but the cool thing about it. it is the cool thing about it is like you know he was he was a keynote speaker and uh you know by 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 any right i have no right to like be able to like have you know hours of his time like hanging out and playing games or whatever i didn't i didn't buy like a special vip pass or whatever it was just it's just that that environment is just like people hanging out and having a good time and so that's the main thing I liked about the conference. Anyway, those yeah, and it's not. And when you go to these conferences, I mean, just go up and talk. I mean, is, if you can bring yourself to it. I mean, I'm getting like I kind of had some like even when I my first conference was was a lot smaller, the Phoenix uh, Design Week. I you know I went and went up and talked to some of the people there. Or, you know, some of the there were people, speakers just sitting down for lunch, and I joined them and stuff. So. I mean, that's what people are there for. So don't be afraid to, if you get to go to a conference to, to talk to people. So, you know, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, he was, you know, he was super like down to earth and everything and gave me some pointers on sharing on social media and everything. And yeah, it was just cool to hang out. <coughs> Squatchy says his brother's a woodworker and he makes those cornhole boards. Oh yeah. Time, so. I gotta get one. I'm going to get one. I want. It's I a fun game. That. I didn't, yeah. I kind of, I don't like, party games most of the time um but i actually enjoyed that i think i think it was a pretty fun one so it's if if i like it it's you know i don't know um the next guy is dex alexander so here he is with uh here he is with christo um there and uh he owns and runs a uh he owns and runs a uh an agency called black roses and um it was a great talk uh i can't remember I can remember stories that he told. I can't remember the, the overall point of his talk. Oh, it was picking fights. 
So he was he was talking about he was talking about picking fights and how um, his wife told him one time she said you've got two emotions horny and angry and he was like I don't I don't think horny is an emotion um, but anyway uh, he grew up kind of in the streets um, you know and it was it was kind of a dog eat dog situation where you you fought or you were beat up and that was kind of the situation and so as an adult um, in his in his marketing is he's always looking for a fight. Um, and so he's, he's said that in his personal life, he's working to change that to where, you know, he sees nuance and he sees, um, you know, he, he can kind of like experience a broader range of emotion. Um, but in, in client work, uh, it kind of, it kind of went along with what Chris Doe was saying with, um, you know, always look for the big problem is when somebody came to him and said, Hey, we want, you know, we want this, uh, you know, we, we'd like you to do this or whatever. Um, he looks for fights. So he's like, all right, so who are you fighting? You know, and they're like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, well, who, well, who's the big dog on campus? Like, who, you know, who are you going to take down? Like, what, who's your, who's your opponent? And so he would, he would get, um, you know, he, he would pick a fight. And so several examples that he gave, uh, one, one, for example, there is kind of like this company that is, uh, basically out to end homelessness. Uh, and, and he took them on as a client and he's like, I want to take on this fight. And so his opponent was homelessness. Um, you know, in other situations he would say that the opponent is, you know, um, you know, whoever is beating them in the marketplace or whatever. And so they would, they would use marketing tactics to, you know, to kind of battle, uh, in, in that space. I thought it was kind of an interesting approach, but he also talked about how that's like not a good, attitude to have you know in like interpersonal relationships um and anyway i i think i like he was very amiable and and very funny also um you know he talked about the difference between harley and indian and honda motorcycles so anyway i talked to him afterwards about that and yeah uh, he he agreed to be on uh on the show later so some point in time we'll have him on so uh any anything from his talk that stood out to you well, I'm going to keep asking this until I get to the right person, but he, was he the one that did the mock-ups? No, I'll, I'll bring it up when he did. Yeah, he's, okay. Okay. Yeah, he's not He's not the one that did the mock-ups. Uh, let's see if he's got his... Yeah, his, yeah, his Instagram his, his Instagram is mostly quotes and stuff. But yeah, so he was, he was more like sort of he had the, his own agency and everything. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we had uh, Jessica Hish. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, she's awesome. She is, she is great. Yeah. She's like super big time. Um, she's probably the most well-known of all the speakers. I would probably say, I mean, as far as in that design world and and success wise, well, maybe not, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, Christo obvious is very super successful, but she's, you know, definitely people know her in the design world and just amazing, you know, typography and, um, and she kind of showed off her children's book, which is really cool. Um, she wrote and illustrated it. It's all, it's all, it features her typography. Um, and, uh, you know, she just kind of talked about her, you know, like family life and, and everything and, and how that all works with, I don't know. What, what kind of notes did you take? Cause I don't, I don't have them in front of me, but. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the biggest things, the biggest things that I got from her um, is that she, um, <laughs> she's talking about, um, how as a culture, 
we've focused on occupations more than like who we are as individuals. Um, meaning that, you know, some of the most important things to us in our lives are our kids and our spouses and our families. Yet when we interact with people, we talk about our jobs. Um, and so she told a, a very interesting and long story about, um, having two kids and how, um, she had postpartum depression, but didn't recognize the symptoms because nobody talks about it. And she didn't know that it was happening and was unaware, you know, that it can happen, you know, for up to two years, um, after, uh, you give birth. And, and so she basically said like, it is exceptionally difficult, you know, for, uh, people to be professionals and have kids. Um, and, and she, she ran some numbers and, and things like that. And she was basically talking about like, um, how as a culture, we've got to get better at allowing parenting and professionalism to coexist. Um, and then kind of called out, um, called out all the men in the room, like, you know, like you guys need to stand up, you know, this isn't just a mom thing. This is a dad thing. Like you guys need to stand up, talk about your kids, you know, uh, introduce yourself, you know, as a dad, when you are doing professional speaking and, and, and things like that and, and bring your family into kind of these conversations so that it becomes, uh, normalized that children are like a part of our society and they're a part of even those of us that have professional, uh, things going on. So that was, that was kind of her culminating point and that her children's book, it looks beautiful and it is, she read it to us and and I'm definitely getting a copy. It was really, really good. So yeah, I I couldn't stand in that long line to get it signed, but yeah, but I'll have to get a copy even though my kids have grown, but it's, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. And you've, you've probably seen her stuff, even if you don't know who she is, cause she's like, I overheard, I overheard several students, uh, college students talking being like, I don't I don't know why everybody is freaking out about this lady. And then she started showing her work and I was like, Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. It's like, yeah. So this is the lady that did all that. Um, so that was, that was, uh, that was the, the second day. Um, and then, uh, so then we had, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Um, Friedenshan, Friedenson. Uh, he goes by F dot. Um, right. This Q Scott is okay. the is the guy who is doing is doing the mock up. So while you're talking yeah. about that, I, I'll pull up his Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So one other thing that he did, and this is definitely something I want to borrow and start doing, was was he would just take these pictures of these walls that he would have liked to graffiti, and he just took them in Photoshop and put his art over it, and and basically said, "Hey, this is what your wall could look like if I paint it," and. And then he, because of that, people, you know, and I guess he would present it, present it to them. And they're like, oh yeah, that is really cool. And, you know, he just had some really cool styles. And then he had, I forgot the name of the little character that he created, but it was kind of this weird kind of, I'm not Keith Herring style, but you can kind of see some of that stuff there. I forgot. He had a name for it. That little blue guy. He called it a blob. A blob. Yeah. There. So, so yeah, but he, he did a lot of stuff with that, but then there was, there was stuff that was a little more, you know, he kind of liked this graffiti style, but, but I was thinking, you know, yeah, that Sunday of love. So that was, that was the one he was talking about. Sunday kind of love was, was a, a wall he did in some, somewhere in New York. And it was like an old, you know, historic thing at first. They said, yeah, we can't, 
no, we don't, we can't paint over that. It, it's historic. And then later they called him up and said, and kind of changed their mind. But yeah, it was, it was just really cool. I like the, it's almost back to that thing. Like, you know, the, you know, dress for the job you want. I mean, he kind of just said, Hey, I'd love to paint this wall. And he basically took a picture of the wall, put his slapped the stuff on it, and then and then started sharing it. Next thing you know, wow, wow, you know, and he got to do that kind of stuff. And I could, I'm trying to figure out ways that I can do that with my stuff because I can show. And one of the things I always talk about when I'm when I see people's stores and if I'm critiquing somebody's store is that instead of just showing your artwork like like the print as is. You want to make that more tangible. You want to show that it's actually a physical thing. So instead of just showing a picture of whatever print you're selling, show somebody holding one of the prints or show it in a frame on a wall or something like that. So people can see that it's a product they could purchase and how it would look in your house or whatever or in your hands. Um, And that's kind of what he's doing with his mock-ups and everything. So, um, but I could see, you know, I, you know, I would love to, it would be cool to do like a, like a, just a giant mural of one of my giant mechs or something. So I'm trying to think, you know, if, if I put something like that against a wall, I want to start sharing that. And, and he said, uh, he made, he made a point, you know, don't lie about it. Don't say, yeah, that's, that's an actual wall I painted, but you know, just say, he would just say, no, this is, this is what I would love to do with this wall if, if given the chance. So yeah, I really, I just loved the whole, his whole kind of, kind of guerrilla marketing kind of style thing that he was doing there. Yeah. And one of, one of the points that he made um, along those lines is, is use walls, you know, don't, don't just go grab a stock illustration, you know, a stock photo of a brick wall. Like he would go and he'd be walking around town and he'd see one and he'd be like, Oh man. And he'd get an idea for that wall. And so then he would photograph that wall. And then he would, in Photoshop, he would mock up his illustrations on that wall and then tag the business on Instagram. Yeah, I think one thing that I'm going to do is I'm not going to limit it to just walls because you could take a photo of anything because you could put your art on anything. And I'm sure there's certain things that just going out in the city that would work perfect for my art. Like, for instance, there's a lot of like power boxes and things like that that could be a robot, you know, so I could, uh, you know, I'm. I probably maybe I shouldn't have mentioned this in public, but I think that's I'm just kind of thinking this now. But that's something I could definitely do is like, and I think that's something that might have some is virality a work? What's the what's it the is term? it is now viral potential is what I like to viral say. Viral potential, okay, yeah. But I, I I could see taking some pictures of some power boxes and kind of you know putting some kind of overlay in Photoshop and dressing them up like robots and just getting that stuff out there. I think I think that's really cool because I've seen you know. I, that that's the kind of stuff that people do like to share and everything, you know, there was, there, you know, I remember there was, there was a guy, uh, it's something that went around a while ago. He had these post-its, but he would, he would draw these faces or whatever, and he would hold them up to people in the subway. So it looked like they were doing like the real person was doing something that was, but part of it was drawn on the card. And it's kind of hard to explain unless you saw it, but things like that, I think those are really great great ideas. So I'm not, I'm going to try to kind of keep my eye for stuff like that and just find unique things that I could kind of slap my artwork on. And, uh, and even if it's just a mock-up, I think, I think that's pretty cool. So that's something I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I literally can't remember the next guy, so I'm not going to say I'm on. Well, is, is that the one that, that had to, had to, 
bail out and then uh, he was replaced. Oh, Another, yes. Yeah. So he didn't, he wasn't even there, but the guy that took over, and I don't remember his name, but that, I mean, for somebody they just called in at last minute to fill in the space, he did, he did a great job. And I'm trying to, well, do you remember what the talk was about? It's funny. Cause yeah, I remember so he talked about, really um, it, and I, I was interacting with him earlier on Instagram. So I feel bad that I can't remember his name, but he's not on the, he's not on the schedule. Um, but he was, he was talking about an addiction to stress. Um, and, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so it, it was a crazy story, but basically, uh, the concept is that, you know, this, um, this fight or flight situation, um, is kind of like a hyper, uh, creativity, right? And so he's talking about when you are in a stressful situation, um, you know, you, you get adrenaline, you get all this stuff, um, you know, and your body reacts to that because it's based on <clears throat> the neurology of it is based on survival. Um, and so what he had done in his life, like many of us do, is that he would, he was a serial procrastinator and he would also overload his schedule. And so he was super productive, right? And you've got this kind of cult of busy where we worship, uh, busyness. Um, anyway, uh, he was, he was kind of working in that state. Uh, you know, like many of us do, um, you know, maybe, maybe more so than, than a lot of us. And one day he had some weird heart thing going on. Uh, and it turns out he went to, he went to the, after a series of events or whatever, um, it turns out that his, his heart was basically not able to keep up with, uh, you know, this constant stress, um, and so he had he had to start meditating. He had to start saying no to projects and being more reasonable. But basically, he would wait until the last second for something, and and then he'd be in this this hyper state of creativity and production because of the deadline. Um, but he put himself physically in danger doing that. Um, and so he he just talked about a number of ways to kind of avoid getting into that situation, and that there are ways that we can be productive but not push ourselves into this kind of addictive, destructive cycle of productivity. And I will find out his name and post it in the notes because I can't. Yeah, I want to know that too. Yeah. Did you say you got a chance to talk to him? I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Briefly, really briefly. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and most of it was on Instagram. I just kind of commented on some things uh, that okay. he was saying on Instagram. Uh, yeah, he was, he was awesome. That's why I didn't recognize the guy who bailed. Cause he's not, he was yeah. on the schedule. He just kind of pitch it. Yeah. Uh, cat noon. Right. Um, and we also got to talk with a little bit, hang out with a little bit on the last day there. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, you know, uh, runs a business that, that talks about inclusivity, um, and, uh, and, and disability, uh, programming. So you're looking at, um, designing for, um, you know, for everyone rather than for the able bodied or I, I'm not sure what the, the term is, but, um, but talking about like, um, you know, doing your metadata in such a way online that it can be read by, by readers and stuff like that. And the inclusivity of, of design where, um, you know, a lot of design is actually not made for everyone and like the world itself, um, you know, kind of, you know, there aren't, there aren't ramps in, you know, next to every staircase in, in America, you know, and so people in wheelchairs struggle to get places. Um, you know, the, the rise in kind of 
personal transport like Uber and Lyft, um, you know, isn't inclusive to those that, you know, have, have disabilities to be able to, to travel um, and things like that. And so she was just talking about designing for everyone rather than just designing for, uh, you know, uh, kind of able-bodied people. Uh, yeah. any, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it was super interesting, but she's kind of on a whole other level. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not even in that. I mean, she's like programs and creates these apps and is super successful doing that and everything. But it was really interesting. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I probably should spend more time thinking about like designing for everyone and everything because what, what I'm doing is pretty niche and it's a little, little outside of that. But, but yeah, it was, some of it was kind of over my head. Like it was just like, wow, man, this is, this is incredible. The, the kind of stuff she was doing, but, but yeah, and it was, it was cool. Yeah. It was just cool. Also talking with her and she's very straightforward and to the point and kind of, you know, tells it like it is and everything. Um, and she bought me a drink. So thanks Kat. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just read this quote from hers because I think it kind of sums up everything that she was saying. A sustainable solution to making experiences accessible and inclusive will happen only when people of privilege choose to dismantle a system that makes them feel special um, and powerful. So that's that's kind of what she was talking about. She's awesome. We'll, we'll put her uh, her Instagram in the in the links as well. Um, then uh, Rob Zilla was yeah, second, was awesome. second to last. Um, yep. Rob Zilla is awesome. He is a vector graphic artist. Um, so portrait uh, artist mostly. I mean, yeah. this stuff is amazing. It looks like you think I like you know, some kind of a computer created, but then he shows his process, you know, cause it's all, it's not quite like the, that old rotoscoping, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I mean, it's all, and it, you can see his stuff there. That's all vector. He does a lot of sports stuff, but, and he was super hilarious. I mean, he was great. I mean, just, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. yeah, his yeah, his stuff is amazing. Yeah, so he does these just yeah, amazing portraits and, you know, um he was really funny because he started talking about he started talking actually this is this is the the three that he showed, but he started talking about how he had to get rid of his biases in sports um because oh, yeah, yeah. he had he had specific teams and specific players that he really liked and other teams that he really hated. Um, but then he said some of the teams that he really hated, like hired him. And so then he loved them, you know, and it was like, uh, and he, and he got to the point where, um, you know, he said, he said, I, you know, I had to, I had to draw this guy, but I know who the goat is. And so he did, he did this top one for money and he did the second one so that he would feel good about sticking with his convictions. Uh, so anyway, it was kind of just, uh, fascinating, um, not not only just in his work, th- this is a really good one too. Um, you see this Black Panther. Oh here. yeah. Um, he was he was talking to his mom, and his mom um, kept talking about seeing the Black Panther movie, and she kept saying, "Yeah, I saw that. I saw that Pink Panther movie, and it was just so great, and I loved it." And and he said, "I gave her a couple chances to to correct herself. I, I really think she thought." she watched a movie called the pink Panther because he's like, wait, you saw which movie? And she was like, Oh yeah. You know, the one, the, the pink Panther movie, the, the, which, which movie was that? Yeah. The pink Panther with the, with the pink Panther. And so he's like, and so he actually did as, as a joke, um, the, the black Panther 
but he did it in pink. And so he did all this like pink stuff. And then he tagged, uh, he tagged the people who made that movie in, in his, in his Instagram post. And then they actually reached out to him and they said, Hey, we'd like to do a promotion. Um, you know, do you want to, do you want to do one of these for us? And so he did a limited edition. I can't remember if it was PlayStation or Xbox, but one of the, one of the things, um, it probably says in the description here. Yeah. Xbox limited edition, black Panther console. Um, and there are five in existence. So they made five of these and he said, I'll do it if you pay me and give me one of the five. And so he has, he has one of the five and then they gave the rest out kind of as uh, as this promotion. But it all happened because, this is something Scott and I talked about later, it all happened because he he made he made something uh, you know that you would be considered fan art um, and and shared it. Any any thoughts on that one, Scott? No, again, it's kind of like I said before, dress for the job you want type of thing. You just like and, and yeah, well it's also yeah, because I'm you know I'm kind of, you know how I am about fan art and everything. I don't do a lot of fan art, but, but, but I have heard so many stories of people who do create fan art. If they have original enough style, they actually end up working for the people that they're kind of, you know, loosely, I don't have your phrase of borrowing from, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. And then, you know, so they're, you know, there's, there's, it kind of got me thinking, well, maybe there's a client out there that I would like to work with that maybe, you know, somebody that, you know, whether it's Star Wars or whatever, that maybe, you know, if I say if I, I was thinking, well, how would I go about that? So maybe if I I created like a giant mech, but then I put a spin on it, like say if it was Spider-Man and, and, and outfitted it to look like a giant Spider-Man mech or something like that. And I'm thinking, well... I just, for me personally, I'm kind of iffy about selling fan art because it's just, that's my own, you know, stance or whatever. But, you know, what I could do is, is design a mech and then have like an overlay, you know, do like a Spider-Man thing and then just share that out there. And then it wouldn't be a total waste of my time because if I could, if I could just take that overlay off and then I could sell that print of just the, the mech by itself. So um, that's that's something I'm thinking about doing. I don't know. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe I would even sell the, the favorite version. I don't know. I'm just, I haven't quite brought myself to that. <laughs> but I know I could probably clean up at a convention if I did that. So I don't know. But but it is really, but there are, you know, it, there there is that, I, I hear that all the time about people who are doing fan art stuff and then they end up working for the stuff that they're they're doing the fan art of. So, yeah. and he's, Rob Zilla was living proof of that, you know. Yeah, and he didn't sell that Pink Panther drawing. Right, right, true, true. Yeah, he just showed it. And so a lot of, a lot of what yeah. he was talking about is make good work and show it and then people will hire you to do stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that was that was the end of uh, that was the end of the second day, um, and then you have um, uh, Chris Doe uh, was was the one that kind of wrapped that up, um, and he had a big slide deck of I think you know over two hundred slides and uh, kind of recapped a lot of the stuff we talked about and kind of in a little bit more depth. Any anything from his closing talk that stood out to you? Well, I, I kind of want you to kind of. Sh- 
share your opinion because you had a really good point about because the way the way Chris is and I, I mean I, I love the future and I, I've been following them for a while and I, I got a chance to talk with him just briefly and just kind of told him that yeah I've been following you since before it was the future when it was him and another guy Jose who was doing it and 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 I remember him going on another podcast Roberto Blake and kind of him giving uh, some advice and uh, kind of Chris just took that advice and before you knew it like you went from like maybe a couple thousand subscribers at the most to you know 400,000 so I just told him yeah I mean it was really cool and he said yeah I'm a good teacher and I said yeah you're you're I mean you're he said he was a good student I said yeah you're a good teacher too so yeah um, but uh, but I but Corey brought up an interesting point was that because the way Chris is, it's kind of like a lot of what he talks about is, is the money and he's good at making money and he's very successful at it. Um, but it's almost like he kind of gets to the point where he can just sub everything out. So he's to the point where, you know, he's got an agency and he'll, he'll hire who needs to do the thing. And then he gets to go off and kind of do whatever he wants. And, you know, and he's also building companies. I mean, the future is a relatively new part of his company. I mean, he runs a, a design studio design and motion graphics studio called blind. Um, and so the future is kind of a new thing and he's just like, you know, it's just, it seems like crazy gangbusters. It hasn't been that long since, you know, he started, started it. Um, but, you know, Corey made an interesting point. I'll just let Corey explain. But because, you know, Chris is very much about the money. And but what if you what if I mean, the money's great and everything. But what if you enjoy doing the design work? So, right. I don't know you want to. Yeah. So I, I, I really like I really like Chris. Um, he, he reminds me of a lot of other people that I also really like and get a lot of value from, like, um, you know, Vaynerchuk and. <laughs> Sean West, Sean, Sean McCabe, um, they speak in absolutes and, uh, and it works really well because it's, it's authoritative. Um, but I don't think it's applicable in every situation. And, and when it comes to, when it comes to Chris Doe, if, if my goal was to use visuals as a way to make a lot of money, um, then what he is talking about in being an entrepreneur uh, works really well, right? And and it, and it would work really well. But if my goal is to get fulfillment, um, satisfaction, uh, something that transcends money, then you, you lose a little bit something. In, I, I think in doing that. And so, for example, and and to his to his defense, he did say. You know, if you get into my position, you can choose to take that on. You can choose to take on whatever projects you want. Um, but he was talking about um, he was talking about this. I'll just show my notes um, while I'm talking about. It. If you go to the doctor, um, you have diagnostics, tests. Then you get referred to specialists, and then there's some sort of operation. And he talked about this as. Um, kind of the design or illustration or whatever um, kind of model. You know, at first you have the conversation with the client. Um, you're talking to the client. You're trying to solve the problem. Okay. Then you run several tests and you test some things. You try to figure out if that works. Then you would get specialists to solve those problems. You might hire a specific illustrator or specific designer to be able to execute that. And then they execute that. 
Um, and he said, the lower down on this you are, the less money you're going to make. So if you're the person that's doing the work, you're not, uh, you're not the one that's solving that problem, which I don't know that I, I completely agree with that, but it depends on the creative brief and all that. So, so the, his idea is that if you are in the business of solving problems, you can sub out the rest. Right. And so if I do the diagnostics and I put the case study together, um, you know, or I put the creative brief together, then I can go and hire somebody else out and then I can move on to the next client, come back, make sure that they fulfill that, deliver it, mark up what they did, um, you know, pay them and then and then make money on their work, which is fine. Other people's time and other people's money is is a way to to do that. Um, but for me, the reason that I'm into illustration um, cause if I was in it for the money, I would not be in visuals. I would, I would be in something else. Um, and so for me, I get, I get fulfillment out of it because I feel called to do this. You know, I feel like this is, this is who I am. And so to take this and leverage it into something, um, you know, where I'm subbing it out that, that I mean, in my career that tends to happen a lot, like I, I would tend to come in and then be promoted out of the work that I enjoy doing and I would be managing the people that do the work that I enjoy doing while I spend all my time in Excel and meetings and, and that type of thing. And, um, while I was making more money than the people that worked for me, I wasn't as fulfilled as I am now where now I'm spending a considerable amount of my time producing the things that I want to produce. Um, and, and frankly, if I'm going to be honest, the stuff that I'm making doesn't make me much money. And you can you can talk to my CPA and he'll say it's a good thing that he's got a day job because the stuff that I'm making is it wouldn't wouldn't pay the bills, um, but I have a fuller life than I did before, um, and I and I and I feel more whole. Yeah, yeah, good point. So, so yeah, so those were those were all of the those were all the planned and scheduled things, um, and, and I think we can kind of talk about kind of everything else that was going on uh, in the conference later. But I mean, great conversations with people. Um, it, it was really cool. You'd, you'd bump into somebody, you know, in the hallway or something and strike up a conversation or they'd strike up a conversation with you. And then, uh, and this happened on the first day. Um, I just happened to sit next to somebody. No, I was standing next to somebody in the hallway as we were waiting to go into the workshop and we were just kind of talking about stuff. Um, and then, so we walked in together and sat down and then afterwards, um, you know, she said, Hey, let's, let's go get lunch. And as we were walking away, uh, we both started inviting other people. And so about five of us, uh, just went all and grabbed lunch and then we kept bumping into those five and, you know, each one of them would introduce us to other people that they had met and we'd introduce. And it, so by the end, um, you know, there's, there's a dozen people at this thing that, like know who I am and I know who they are and we all followed each other and social media and there's been kind of like back and forths and, and whatever. And it, it, it felt uh, much more sincere and authentic way of connecting with people than like a marketing networking event. Cause I've been to a lot of those networking events. Networking is a word that I have come to hate because it really just feels like a bunch of people in a room trying to figure out how they can leverage everybody else in the room. Um, whereas this felt like you're getting to know people, uh, you know, and I, and I made, I made friends there, uh, which I thought was really cool. So 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 that's kind of the reputation that it has. I mean, their slogan is come as friends, leave as family. And it really is like that. And my own, you know, one of my only um not regrets, but my I, I just wish I would have had more time to meet more people there. Yeah. You know? Because we got we got the sometimes you, you would you'd hang out with some of the same people and then um, but there's so many people there that I wanted to kind of talk to and we got we got to do that a little bit you know but um, but yeah I just wish I would have had time to talk to more people you know there was a lot of people there yeah and so um, yeah I don't know we talked is- we talked to some um, we talked to some pretty heavy hitters too yeah 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 uh, which is which is kind of cool. That that was something that just really stood out to me. Um, I'm not in this space as much as as much as a lot of people, um, but I kept hearing about this guy. You know, everybody was talking about this guy, and I didn't know who he was. Um, and then and then Scott walks up to him and just introduces himself. And uh, and so because I was kind of hanging out with Scott most of the time, uh, I was just standing there. And then so we started talking, and he was talking about something, and then. I just suggested, I, I made a suggestion about something that I have learned from doing this show. Um, and then he said, Hey, give me your card, you know? And oh, after, after yeah. yeah, Von Glitchka. I, yeah. I wasn't going to yeah. name drop, but, uh, but yeah. So Von Glitchka has my card. I don't know if anything's going to come with that, but like, you know, it's, it's different to like, just sit there and have a conversation with somebody uh, than it is to like, you know, shove your business card at them and be like, this is my contact information. Right. right? right. And yeah. so um, Victor's asking if we if we handed out any promotional pieces like business cards, et cetera. Um, yeah, kind of. But it, what, again, like what Corey was saying, when you go to something like this, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm sure Victor knows this, but it's not like you want to just hand your card out to everyone. I usually only hand my card out to people who ask or people who are talking about my work. And instead of like if they're like asking about it Instagram is it's much easier just to hand out my card or if they're they're you know it, it's like easier to show people like sometimes I'll break out the iPads like if I'm taught if they're asking me about my work and I'm trying to explain it I'm like I'm not doing a good job explaining it so sometimes I'll just open the iPad and I'll kind of show them the work but yeah. it's yeah it's just but I also had stickers and a lot of people were passed there's a lot of stickers going around I mean I That's- started with very few stickers on my iPad and I if I wanted to I could cover the whole thing in stickers. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, that's one of the main things that stood out to me was um, I think stickers have value. Um, I'm really into stickers, obviously anybody, yeah. anybody who, who follows this channel knows I'm really into stickers, but the cool thing about it is instead of, instead of people just being like, here's a piece of paper that's got my information on it. Like a ton of people had stickers. And so it was really cool um, because, you know, you'd be like, Hey, do you have, you know, after you have a conversation and, you know, both of you kind of want to keep in touch, I would always ask like, Hey, do you have a card or do you have something, you know, or whatever. And, it, yeah. and a lot of people didn't actually bring a card. Um, yeah, so I, I, noticed was, that too. I would write yeah. down their, their information on the back of one of my cards and just pocket it. Um, but then also a ton of people, just like Scott was saying, um, they're like, Oh, I didn't bring a card, but I have a, I have a sticker. And then, so I'd be like, Oh, I'll trade you a sticker. And so I'd, I'd give them one of my stickers and I'd take one of their stickers and, um, so yeah, a ton of stickers. That was really cool. And then, so then you like, uh, you know, the sticker you like, you know, I'll write on the back, like their Instagram handle or whatever. Do people still use handle as a term? Yeah. Their Instagram name. And I'll, and then I'll go, I'll go follow them and, and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. but yeah, so it was really good, but it was like, I've been to, 
other conferences where um, it's more forced. Like you sit down. It's like now is the time where we all eat together, and you you sit down, and then you know with a group of people that you don't know, and like it's just expected. Everyone exchange cards, and you all kind of pass cards around, right. and then you talk <laughs> for thirty minutes while you eat a crappy box lunch or whatever, um, and then you just have a bunch of cards, and you have I have no idea who anyone is. I can't remember. There's nothing about anything that anyone said where I remember them, you know, and I'm sure that they feel the same way about me, but this was more like you hung out with people and you had an experience. And then, you know, at the end of it, you might exchange cards, might not. But, uh, but like, I, I know like every card that I have, I remember like stories that they told me and yeah and stuff. So, and there's a trick. I didn't even have to do this, but there's a there's a trick. Like, where do you talk? Like, bring a thing of post-it notes. <laughs> I mean, I think I made Corey drive me out to a, a, a like a place to get a post-it note, and I never used it. <laughs> but um, but basically, you know, if you, if you just write, you, you know, write a quick. If when you're talking to somebody, write a quick note about them, just kind of help remind you, and stick it to the business card, and kind of you know wrap it and put it in your car, your pocket. So you have stuff to remember. I didn't really have to do that because I guess everything people were saying was pretty interesting and, and everything, but yeah, I brought, I mean, I brought some stickers and I brought business cards and I brought a couple postcards and even some prints and stuff that I handed out to the podcast guys that, that I've been following. And even, I even brought a few comics and, um, and there was, there was somebody there the last day that uh, just came up to me and was like, Hey, I follow you on YouTube. And you know, which was really cool. So, so I, I, you know, I gave, I just gave him a comic and everything because he was, you know, seemed like a fan and everything. So and, yeah, and, that was pretty cool. And you might not say this, uh, <clears throat> but I'll say it for you. Like he was stoked. He was super excited. He was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm, this is, I, you know, I, I recognize you. And I mean, he was, legitimately like a fan uh and yeah, really cool guy we talked to him for for a bit yeah um but that was cool that was cool to see um see scott get recognized because he had the green lab coat on uh and there were at least three people that i can remember that knew him from youtube and were like and were, like, came up to him and were like hey yeah you're the guy that does this and so that was cool there's one lady that i think probably mistook me for somebody else but she was certain she had seen me before yeah. And I was like, yeah. I, and a couple people comment that uh, Corey and I look like brothers. So, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't heard that until, until the conference, but apparently that's the case because <laughs> we had more than one person said that. Yeah. Which is funny. So, and have you seen my brother? My brother and I don't look a whole lot like each other. So, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah. So it was great. It was a good, good conference. I really liked it. Um, I've got a recap video uh, that I'm going to put together. I was editing that tonight. And so if you want to know more about like the functionality of the conference, like how it's laid out and everything, I've got footage. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I, uh, Scott, you're probably going to do something similar. Um, yeah. I mean, I think since, yeah, I'm going to do that. And also since we kind of talked about the speakers uh, this time around, um, I think on Artcasters, we'll probably just go more in depth on what the whole conference is like, the whole vibe and kind of maybe even, you know, just our whole uh, experience there, I think on, uh, you know, and yeah, I, I don't know about, about Corey, but I, I'm really, I really, I'm already thinking about next year because next year's the 10th anniversary. I, I think I'm going to, They've got an early bird special right now, so I think I'm going to go ahead and I got some tax money coming back, and I think I'm going to drop some of that on on my tickets and yeah. everything. So, 
and hopefully Corey will come and hopefully we can drag if Corey's going to come hopefully drag Josh out too yeah but, and, but and even if you guys don't go I mean now it's like I, I seem like I know some people over there but but I would definitely love if we can get every, all three of us out there I think it'd be awesome and I think if uh, it's not an expensive conference it's a little hard to get to because there's not like a major airport near it um, but uh, but I'll just throw this out there if if you start planning now, um, you know, put together a thousand bucks or whatever, put, you know, just figure out how much do I have to save? I can put away 50 bucks paycheck or whatever. I, I would recommend this conference. Um, yeah. and, and I don't, and I don't say that about a lot of them. I've been to Adobe max, which is fun, but I feel like for the, for the price versus what you get out of it, it's, it's fun, but it's not, I, I feel like it's too expensive. But this yeah. is not terribly expensive, and if you guys, I feel like I feel like I'm an affiliate right now. Like I'm going to get money. No one's paying me <laughs> to say this, but if you guys sign up soon, um, they have this Love Is Blind price where it's a couple hundred dollars cheaper um, than the normal ticket price, and I think the normal ticket price is for something, right? Is it, am I remembering correctly? It's for. I think that yeah, I think it's four or five. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, you you compare that to like Adobe Max, you know, yeah. it's it's like a thousand dollars more to go to Adobe Max, and that's just you know whatever. And so, um, but I would I would recommend I'd recommend this conference. Um, and I don't know what a year from now is going to look like, so I don't want to like say any particular plans or anything. But um, I do think it would be cool to do like a. 48 hour art check meetup at this conference. Um, Cause these are, I, I really felt like these are my people, you know, like I go to, I go to other conferences and I like people and people are nice. Um, but I didn't connect with people as well as I did here. Like everybody seems to be doing things. And even at a comic book convention, I like comic book conventions and I like all the people there and everybody's great. Um, you know, but, but there's something, there's something about this particular one and it, maybe I just, it was luck of the draw, but I don't think it is. Um, I just feel like, I feel like there's probably a lot more people at this show that would be interested. Cause I mean, we were talking to people about the 48 hour art check and they just lit up. They're like, Oh, I've got to do that. And, and so, uh, I don't know if anybody's on the, on the show right now. We had so many technical difficulties at the beginning. I don't know if the notification came out, but I think that would be super cool. Um, and maybe, maybe Josh and I get a booth. Um, yeah, I know. definitely want to get a vendor vendor booth next time. I just got to figure out how to do that and hopefully still see some of the, some of the talk and some of the, get to go out for lunch and stuff. Cause I don't know. I, it, uh, it would kind of suck to, cause that's part of the whole fun of it. You get go going out and, and talking with people right. and for lunch and everything. Of course there's the after parties too. We could do that. So yeah. I just have to figure it, figure that out. But, yeah, so I don't know exactly how that would go down, but um, I mean, some people just left left all their goods there with a little note that said, Venmo me at this address uh, if you take something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I trust people that much, or maybe I do, I don't know. But like, um, it's not like a huge convention hall. You know, there's probably 10 booths there. Um, and so, anyway... It was cool. And also we, we forgot to mention uh, master of one um, yeah. podcast that Scott listens to that he's introduced me to. Uh, we were both on that. Uh, and so I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to cut that up or, or release that, but they had like just a couch in the saloon 
inside of this opera house. I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, where they're just sitting playing video games and interviewing people. Anyway, it was surreal. I feel like I had like a month's worth of experiences jammed into like four days. Yeah. So because and we still, and still wish there were more time, you know, <laughs> to talk to more people, you know? Right. But, yeah. But I mean, like, we, we would get up at like seven in the morning. We wouldn't get back to our rooms until like after midnight because it was just yeah. like you have the convention, then you have lunch, then you have the convention, then you have dinner, and then you have this after party. And then there's, you know, after after party thing and, you know, people are hanging out and doing stuff. And it was just very, uh, I don't know. It was just cool, you know? And like, I'm not a huge partier, um, but, uh, you know, and I don't drink or anything. And so, but I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel out of place and everybody was super cool. And, you know, it's not like I'm going to like some high school rager, like we we're playing cornhole and video games. And then, you yeah. know, it was just, it was, I, I liked, I liked the vibe. The whole vibe of it was, it was just very laid back and very cool. So, yeah. Cool. So, uh, if you want to check out Scott's stuff, uh, check out cirqueworks.com. And uh, if you want to check out my stuff, go to CoreyKerr.com. And if you want to get the show notes for this episode, uh, it will be up on CoreyKerr.com slash 48HR. And so that's C-O-R-Y-K-E-R-R.com slash 48HR. And uh, I'll list out I'll list out everybody that we mentioned um, by name and whatever contact information they have publicly. Um, not that they gave me, but the stuff that they're showing the public. So you guys can follow them on Instagram and Twitter and, and all that stuff and tell them that I sent you. Tell them that you came from uh, from Corey Kerr and Scott Circland, um, you know, at the 48-hour art check when you, when you follow them. Uh, anyway, you guys are awesome, and uh, we'll see you in a couple days. Later.